Today we're talking about Trinity Sunday and we've got to focus on um, Trinity Sunday where we're looking at who God is and we talk about God being Father, Son and Holy Spirit and often, often when we start thinking about God, we have this picture of God being God Almighty and our passage from Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 highlights that. It says, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of of his glory. And sometimes in our life, we can have that picture of God being remote. He's being up here. He is holy. He's the Lord Almighty. He's distant, but he's not really relational. But that's not what the scriptures reveal to us about God. Yes, he's all holy, holy, holy. He's the Lord Almighty. He's the God over everything. But he also is a very personal God and wants to have a relationship with each of us. Now, when you read, particularly the Old Testament, and you see three words together, and it's holy, 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 those three words, it's a reminder that God wants to emphasise something, that he is holy. And all holy simply means that something has been set apart, something is special, something's not of this world. And because it's mentioned three times, it's a bit like God saying, I want you to know I am very special. I want you to know that I am very special. God is special. But here's the beauty of God. He's special, but he also wants to have this deep, one-on-one, personal relationship with each one of us. And so as we're going to do today, we're going to do something a little bit different than I normally do. I'm actually going to look at the three texts in summary and give you a bit of an insight to who God is and what it means for us. The, three, the key questions for us today to think about, to keep in mind is, what are our Bible readings saying about God? And this is an important approach to the Bible. Some people will read the Bible with the view of, what is the Bible telling me what I have to do? What is the Bible saying that what I have to do? That's not really the main purpose of Scripture. The main purpose of the Bible is to reveal to us who God is. And from that flows this relationship of how we may respond. And so that's the second part is how do our Bible readings affect how we live in relationship with God and other people? How do our Bible readings affect how we live in relationship with God and other people? And that's a good way to read scripture frequently is to first read what is this saying about God? And then... How does that affect, how does God affect how we live in relationship with him and with others? Oh, we're a bit off screen. Hmm. Isaiah chapter 6 was our first reading. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 to 8 reminds us that God is holy, that God is special, that he's incredibly special. You know, that holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah chapter 6 also reminds us that everything on earth reveals something about God. In fact, everything on earth is a gift from God. And this is important for all of us to continue to think about. Everything we're involved with, God has had something to do with. Now, you might say, some of the stuff I'm involved with is not that great. You might think, how does a parking officer... 
does the parking officer reveal anything about God? How can that be a gift from God? Well, think about, well, right, I have parking officers, you know. It's, it's so people can get parks during the day and someone doesn't hog the park. Right? Not, not always a blessing, are they, for us? But keep this in mind. Everything you're involved with, God has had something to do with and God wants to continue to have something to do with. Now, a mate of mine, who I would say has been a Christian all his life, he said when this, he started to realise this, that everything he was involved with, it affected the way he approached life. No longer did he just go, I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sunday. He continued to interact with God throughout the week. He prayed to God about his work and he was looking for ways that God could use him and what he was doing at work to bless others so he could glorify others. And so this encouragement is for you as well. Think about in your life that everything you're involved with, that God is involved. The other thing that Isaiah 6 reveals to us is our natural state, our normal natural state way of being is not good enough for God. You know, when we heard about how, you know, the man, God, he appeared in God's presence, and as soon as he appeared in God's presence, he recognised there was a problem. He he recognised that he was a person of unclean lips, and he recognised that he lived amongst people of unclean lips. And that's our state. Without God, without Jesus, we are not good enough for God. And that's why from what church calls, what Christianity calls, sin. But the good news is for us, and this is also what Isaiah reveals to us, is God goes out of his way to make us good enough. God cleanses us to make us good enough for him. See, God doesn't want us just to dwell in our sin, to be affected by sin and be left by sin. He also wants this relationship with us constantly. He wants to constantly have a relationship with us. And so he goes out of his ways and cleanses us. And what we see for us as Christians through the New Testament, we see that that happens through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. We see that Jesus pays the price for our sin. And as we sang in, the, as we sang in that song, when God now looks at us, he doesn't see a sinner. He doesn't see a person who's failing. He sees someone who's been cleansed by Jesus. He sees somebody who is good enough to be in a relationship with him. And so that's just a quick summary of what appears in Isaiah 6. Then we jump across to our New Testament reading in Romans chapter 8, which is written after Jesus' life on earth, and it's where the church is in its infancy, where Christians are in in their infancy. And what we notice here is that God's focus is about giving life and about giving us not just an earthly life, but a spiritual life. And I'm going to talk more about the importance of God giving life when we look at the John reading. But it's also important for us, and this is what Romans highlight again, is that God is different from our natural state. Right? Our natural state is completely different from God. There are some people who think, I'm good enough, I'm, I'm good. What's my problem? But if you read in Romans chapter 8, what you see is that we need the God spirit to affect who we are. Because our natural state is missing something. 
And our natural state is often a very self-focused thing. You know, we do things for our own benefit. We do things to please us. We like to be independent. We like to be in charge. We like to have our own way. And even when we go to help somebody, there's often a thing of we want something in return or we want some blessing. So it's in Romans 8 reminds us that we need, we need God to be at work to do something because he's different from us. The other thing that Romans 8 reminds us is that God, even though he is holy, 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 the Lord Almighty, he wants us, wants us to have a relationship with one, as, not as him as the CEO of heaven, but as, his, as our loving Heavenly Father. And we saw that, you know, in that prayer that we prayed that Jesus gave us, and that we've now passed on to Alice, we saw that where the opening prayer, when the disciples went to Jesus and said, how do I talk? How do I pray to God? They didn't say, pray to the CEO or pray to the man in charge or pray to Sir. They said, pray, Abba Father, which translates as your loving Heavenly Father. God wants to be known as our loving Heavenly Father. And so think about your prayers. Every You can pray to God any time of the day with anything to God who doesn't want to berate you but wants to listen to you. Now, he may not give you the answers you want. I can remember as about a five-year-old being very disappointed with God. I prayed to God for a red Ferrari at five. And he didn't answer that prayer. I was quite upset. And my father said, it's probably a good thing he didn't answer a prayer. Our shed at home is not good enough for the Ferrari. And secondly, who's going to pay for the insurance? That's when I started to learn that cars started to cost money. So sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer because he knows better for us or he's got some other better thing. But he's still our loving Heavenly Father. And the other thing that Romans 8 reveals to us is about God is that God makes us an heir. He makes us one of his children. And that's what we were doing today. We were highlighting God was working through the church to say to Alice... You are one of my children. You're a person I'm never going to disown. I'm never going to write out of the will. You're somebody I want always to be in heaven. Now, the thing is with baptism with, is that that's a gift to us. But people can walk away from the faith. They can walk away from the inheritance. That's like you walking away from a gift that God has given you. But God still sees you as, as an heir. And then we jump across to John chapter 3, which is a, a quite a well-known passage. John chapter 3, 1 to 17, particularly verses 16 and 17. You probably know, many people would know, because it's, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in me will have eternal life. And God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so again, it reminds us that God's focus is on about giving life. As God Almighty, he's using his power to give you and me life. He wants us to have true life. And life that is goes on beyond this earth, that's far better than this earth. Now that's not necessarily the secular way people see God. Many people have a view of God that, that was portrayed um, in a movie called Bruce Almighty. And if you haven't seen it, it's a bit of a 
comedy moody with Jim Carrey and the character Jim Carrey plays at one stage, very frustrated by God, and he basically says to himself, God, smite me. In other words, punish me. That's often how people view God's going to use his power. But when we open up the scriptures, when we look at the Bible, what we see is God wants to use his power to give us life, to help us in life, to give us a future that goes beyond this earth. And it's important to understand that when God says he wants to give us life, he's talking about he wants to give us life that's greater than this earthly life that we receive. The best way to think about this earthly life is to think about it as a sample. The good things in this earthly life are simply a sample of what God is going to give us in heaven. You know, I was thinking about this and I thought, it's a little bit like those seconds warehouse shops. Have you ever been to those seconds warehouse shops where they're selling good quality product or product with a good name, but it's a seconds because it's got some defect? Well, that's like our life, right? This life we live has got defects in it. The life, that, the future life that God really gives us, the, the life with him eternally is going to be perfect. Perfect love perfect peace. It doesn't mean God's not active in this world, because God is active. God has given us this world. But what it means that this world, we shouldn't limit God or limit our relationship with God based on what happens in this world. Because God's looking to give us a life that's greater than this world. And that's because God's focus is about saving and loving us, not condemning and killing us. God's focus for all of us is that he, when he looks at you, he sees someone he wants to love and he wants to save. He's not looking to condemn you. He doesn't want you to be living a life thinking that you're carrying your sins around, that your sins are going to stop you having a relationship with God. And that's why he sent Jesus. You know the word atonement? It simply means... Somebody has stepped in your place, has paid the price for your sins. And that is Jesus. That's what he did on the cross and through the empty tomb. And that's because God's focus is about saving you and loving you. And John 3, one of the things that, there's a lot of dark and light goes in in John 3, but what the darkness refers to is the world and the light refers to as a life with God. So in John 3, what the focus is on is about, as a result of this love that God has for us, is that we are called to be committed to God and not this world. Called to be committed to listening to God and to having God's priorities as part of our priorities. Called to be people who take notice of what God says and recognising what's going on. And that should affect who we are and how we go about life with others. You see, our relationship with God is not just about us and God. There are some people who think, all I have to worry about is, as long as I, I believe in Jesus, I can do whatever I like, or I don't have to worry about others. That's not really the deal. The deal is God's going to save you. He knows that you're not perfect. None of us are perfect. He knows, though, that you need help, and that's why last week when we celebrated Pentecost, he gave us, we, we remember being given the Holy Spirit. But he does know that we need help to have a, a better focus in life, and that's a focus where we're committed to God and not this world. And that's why when Jesus is talking about being born again, think of it as a different commitment. 
a commitment that's not to this world. And it's easy to be committed to this world. A sign that you're committed to this world is you're worried about time, money, your impression, how other people look at you. You're worried about are you getting things for yourself? And we can even within the church and reading the scriptures, we can take that approach. A sign that you're committed to God is that you're open to listening to God. You're open to allowing God to use you in a way that helps other people know that he's a God of love and grace and mercy and peace. And so one way to think about this, those three texts, is if there's always more to God, why not join the adventure of discovering more about God? And as we do, we'll discover more about ourselves and the people around us. You see, we'll never know completely everything about God. And this is a problem if you're a perfectionist because as a perfectionist you want to know everything. You want to get it perfect. But the truth is there's always more to discover. There's always more for God to reveal to us about him and his love and the way he approaches life. And he can at times appear as a paradox, as something that you know, doesn't always make sense because he'll do things like he'll be God Almighty, interested in the whole world and the power have power over the whole world and yet he'll still want to love you individually. And so how do we do this practically? What are we, can we do practically? Well, yesterday at our seminar that we had here, New Horizons, they went through a process which I think is a good process for all of us to be involved with. And it's a process that actually that I'm aware of started in South Africa by a church in South Africa. And it starts with a thing called dwelling in the word. And dwelling in the word is about simply making time to read scripture, reflect on God's word and what he's saying. Now, here's the interesting thing. This particular church that started this, all their Bible studies for one year, they met every week and they looked at one passage of scripture, the same passage every week. And they reflected on that and shared what they got out of that. And as a result of that, what they discovered is every week something new arose from that. And this is about reading the words, reading scripture regularly, and also reading it with other people and hearing what they say and thinking about it. And so that's part of our, because that's where we would say God might speaks most clearly to us through the word through listening to what God says. We, we will get unbiblical, non-Christian views of God and Christianity if we are not reading the word regularly. We'll get views that what we should be. That look, and some of those views, and I've had this with some people who have had some connection with the church who stopped coming to church or stopped reading the Bible and they've connected with me a little bit and they say, oh, God wouldn't love me. I go, that's not what the scriptures reveal. So it's important for us to dwell in the word, spend time in the word regularly. The second thing, though, is that we don't just have a a, a vacuum. We don't just live in a vacuum. We actually live in this world. So the other thing God calls us to do is what they call, refer to as dwell in the world. And that means let's not get overly busy about our life in the world. Let's not be people who are focused just on ourselves. But let's take notice of what's going on around us. Let's take time to listen to other people. Let's take time to observe what's happening in the news. Now, some people like to turn off the news because they don't want to hear any bad news. 
My approach to listening to news is there's a lot of stuff I can pray for. Um, if there's anything I get anxious for, I kind of just chuck, chuck that in prayer and let God deal with it. But dwelling in the world is about taking notice on what is happening around you, about thinking about what's God up to around you. Think, remember this, God has created this world. God has created this world to bless us. God has put people in this world that will help us and bless us, but also help and bless others. God has also put people in this world who get into trouble, who go through difficulties. And I remember one very wise Christian saying, you know, somebody said to him, oh, what's God doing about um, the floods in Brisbane? A number of years ago, you may remember the floods in Brisbane. Someone said, what's God doing about that? How can we have a loving God of that? And this wise pastor said, look, have a look what he's doing. Have a look at the Christians that are going in to the community to help the people. Right? They have been seeing what's happening in the world. They've been listening to God's word and they're responding to people's needs in love. So as Christians, we're called to do both. Is dwell in the word so we have a found, good foundation of what God's up to. But we also take notice of what God's up to in the world. Martin Luther is quoted as saying, and it's a little bit difficult to prove because it's not in the English. It comes from one of his German writings, I believe, that haven't been translated to English. He's quoted as saying that um, the gospel is not just in the scriptures, but is in the trees and in the animals and in the world that we live in. And what, he, what he's meaning here is that God has created everything and he reveals himself through the world. We get a clarity of who he is through the scriptures, but we should be open to list, watching what God's doing. So I encourage you to think about it. Ask that question is, what is God up to? And then importantly, a practical thing is if we're living out with this triune God, and remember, we are called not just to receive from God, for those of us who have already received from God and know that we love, we're also called to, be, to reflect God, to be ambassadors, to take God's love out into the world. And that means connecting the world you live in with the God you discover and know. Helping others to know that they are loved. Helping others to know there is a future. Helping others to know that, yes, bad things are happening in the world, but we don't have to be that stressed. We can talk to God in prayer about it. Because God has a plan for something. And so as we live in this world with this God who loves us, this God who's above our understanding, can I encourage you to connect with him? Connect with him regularly. Listen to him. But go on a journey of discovering who he is. And as you go on this journey, remember he's with you. He's with you always. He's with you through the, the difficult stuff, and he's with you through the great stuff. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our God. You are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That you are the Lord over everything. There's not a thing in this world that you haven't been involved with. And Lord, as we think about even the world we live in, we, we realise that 80% of the ocean hasn't been understood or discovered by us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you still love us and we don't have to fully understand you to be part of your family. Lord, continue to help us discover more about you so we can share about you, more about you and your gracious love. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.